welcome to Doctor Who Podcast. Uh, remember, check out those swinging sounds. Oh, we got to get uh, Gary, get my son's podcast music in here. What What is his website? Check it out for me. It's podcast music? Is that what he calls Dr. it? DrDrew.com slash podcast music. Podcast music. He's a composer and getting some really interesting stuff going. So please support him. Support the people that support the podcast. Click through on the Amazon banner. Do all that good stuff. and We can keep doing these things. We appreciate it very much. Philip Stutz, welcome. Thank you. The book is called Fire Them Now, The Seven Lies Digital Marketers Sell and the Truth About Political Strategies that Help Businesses Win. It's at Amazon. You can follow Philip at Philip Stutz, S-U-T-T-S, Philip with two L's, philipstutz.com. So I'm fascinated. So you have a medical story and a business story, right? The medical story led to the business story. Oh, really? Yes. Tell me. Talk to me. Well – I mean, I I have a uh, I was diagnosed with achalasia in 2012, which is an esophageal disease. As you we used know. to call it achalasia the cardia back when I was in training. That's right. And yeah. uh, we used to back when endoscopies were not that common. We used to diagnose it with these barium swallows, oh. and you would just see. I'm sure you had your share, but I'd be back now that I'm thinking about it. I'm a lot, but but I'm going to tell you what I've been involved with. You're going to. I'm sure you've had this. You're going to freak out. But we used to, you know, used to see these barium swallows where you see the I'm going to try to describe it to listeners, which is the, the esophagus. Obviously, you're swallowing, you swallow this barium, and it just attenuates down to this little yes. trickle at the end going into the stomach. And I was involved in uh, – they don't always do this with achalasia, but sometimes they will do uh, esophageal um, – I forget what Stretching. they call it. The stretch, the esophagus, the name for it. I've seen three different versions done. Some of them are gruesome. I've seen uh, people sort of semi-awake with it. I mean, yeah. And they used to do it with these graduated rubber hoses, essentially, that are <laughs> increasing yeah. diameter. of course. And then, then they came up with these wires that they'd force these metal balls down right. of increasing diameter. You had all that? I've had all that. <laughs> so, just terrible. I've had oh, it's terrible. 15 endoscopies oh, and yeah. three major surgeries on it. Oh, so, they, so they actually – Tried to repair it. Well, yeah. So we, we'll get into that. Uh, but I mean, so I, this I, I've worked in politics for since 1996 and run political campaigns and and have a marketing uh, political marketing company. And uh, really, I, I'll give the genesis of the book, and then we can jump into the medical. But the the genesis of the book is for since from 2012 to 2017, I had this incurable. It's genetic, as I recall, no, or congenital, they whatever. Don't know what it they is. don't know what it is, right? And right. I'll tell you my theory in a second, but they, they, I have had it for five years, and I did nothing about it. So one feature is sort of a scarring around the base of the esophagus, Correct. right? And do you think that happens from reflux or some sort of chronic inflammation? Yeah. Is that your theory? There, there's, I don't your know. Your theory. For me, yeah. I, the thing is, is everybody that has this disease has a different sort of nuance to it. Yeah. And and so mine is completely different than almost everybody I've talked to that's right. had it. Right. But I didn't do anything about it for five years. It's and, different than just esophageal stricturing though, right? It's 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 something – because stricturing is really from scarring down. Achalasia is just sort of a – I think it's a neuromuscular thing, isn't it? Yeah. So there's yeah. there's no muscles and nerves yeah. in my esophagus. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't do anything about it. So uh, I went to uh, a business conference in 2017 with Peter Diamandis, who's the guy that started the X Prize and all this stuff. And he kept saying, everybody in the audience, you should write down and take down what you think your moonshot in your life will be. And so everybody's writing how they want to grow their businesses and all that. And I just thought, you know what? I think my moonshot is that I'm going to try to find a cure for this disease in five years. I had no idea how to do that. And what I realized in saying, just saying that, Drew, was that for five years I had my head in the sand mm. and I did nothing about my Probably health. Probably in denial about it. Yeah. And I was being treated at the Mayo Clinic yeah, and all this stuff. And at the same time, I'm seeing businesses and business owners all over the country that are frantic and, and, and paralyzed by the coming disruption of the economy. And in a weird way, I said, ooh, my disease – is is a big disruption and there's a bigger disruption coming because the mayo clinic doctors have told me i'll have a feeding tube in about 10 years and i I was doing nothing about it and so it really was the genesis of trying to write the book and then we can talk about the medical condition now but the genesis of the book was i wanted to help business owners break out of the the 
stagnation that they've been in forever and ever. And frankly, about working in politics, we just have different standards, a better standard in the way we look at running campaigns. And we wanted, I wanted to help businesses. So then wait, wait, two, two things from. you said I want to clarify. So they've been stagnant. Are you saying generally businesses in America have been stagnant or the a business that is stagnant? A, you a, want to help no, them business owners are totally stagnant in the fact that this is a disruptive economy. Right that now. Everything is being disrupted right now. Right. And they don't know what to do. Okay. You said the coming disruption. Yes. Is that then coming or is there still some more coming down our down for us. I think we're in the most transformative time in the history of our country for our economy. Yeah. And we're in the and we're in the first stages of it. Yeah. And I think every job and every industry will be massively disrupted. I can tell you medicine is just it's on the verge of some kind of major change. Major. It's because it's become I, I, the only word I have is disgusting. It's just it's, what I see happening. I'm disgusted. By. But there are so many people in Silicon Valley and other places around are the country that are working on it. Yeah, but not I'm not, not sure no, not the, right the way people. you're thinking. I'm thinking yeah. that you know they're trying to bring AI into the process. They're trying to give people more options. And, and I, I think you've they, seen it, so I'm interested what. I, I just think they, they've got to find efficiencies into it, and, and uh, there's so many ways to create efficiencies oh, yeah. that you know. No, no, you're right. You know that, that if they just take the encumbrances out, the thing will start to work again, right. and then maybe you'll find some creative ways right. of expressing it as well. But uh, you know, just tort reform and things like that, and let doctors. I've always just said, if you just let a physician say it was my judgment, and that's a defense in a malpractice case. Six billion dollars will drop out of the system sure. immediately, yep. as opposed to well, I have to order this CAT scan, I have to order this. Blah, 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 blah. So anyway, but um, well, I've kind of gone through that. Yeah. It's a good transition. Yeah, go ahead. Because for eighteen months, no one could diagnose what I had, and I literally what were you presenting with. What were doctors telling me? No, what were you experiencing? I just started. I, I couldn't swallow properly. Oh, I was oh. trying to eat food, and it couldn't go down. And and so, the, like I said, the nerves and muscles do not work. So anything I eat has to be. You know, there must be a lot of liquid that goes down. Um, and there are viruses that can do this, right? I, yeah, well, I'm, I'm convinced it's autoimmune. Or, or, or whatever. Well, some, I'm some convinced sort of I had an, an incredibly unhealthy attack. gut. Yeah. And I, it attacked itself. <laughs> yeah. And so I've had um, the hellermyotomy. This is a specific surgery where uh, they've gone in and they've well, – I had two arthroscopic surgeries. So they, they went in and sliced my esophagus to try to give me relief. Those didn't work. Those failed. And then the last one I had – myotomy or myomectomy? No, I had – it was called a poem, P-O-E-M. Yeah. And then the, the last one I had was the heller myotomy. And they, what they basically did was pull the esophagus straight – Cut twenty five percent of my stomach, wrapped it around the esophagus, stapled me all together, and that that wrap will come undone. And then I've only really got one more shot after that. Did it work? It it has given me stability for the first time, but that didn't solve the core problem. And so when I made this moonshot, I said, "Well, first of all, I got to figure out the core problem." And so I went in and got every test done possible, blood tests, poop tests, urine tests, everything I could imagine. And the doctors came out and were like, oh, my God, your gut is horrible. Like you were in – I mean, look at me. I'm, I'm very skinny, right? So you know, maybe it's called skinny fat or whatever. <laughs> but I was just really unhealthy and I didn't know it because mm-hmm. I have a fast metabolism. Mm-hmm. And certain foods that you're going to be able to eat – all the steak you're eating right now. Right. I just can't, can't eat that. I bet. And my gut can't handle it. So I found out there were a lot of foods I was not tolerant to, like dairy and you know, corn and soy. Did you have celiac? No. Something like no, that? no. But I, I ate dairy every day of my life. And I, I mean, I didn't, I didn't know what was going on. Yeah. You know? so, um, so I, and I read a book, and I'm curious if you've read this book called The Plant Paradox by – I just heard about it. Dr. Gundry. Yeah, it just, so it just, it just I, hit the press recently. He's treating me now. I, I'm fascinated by he that idea. He changed – he saved my life. Extribe what that is. It's, a, it's an amazing so, – Yeah, so uh, basically he is saying you have to cut out lectins yeah. in your diet. Yeah. So it's tomatoes and all right. So here, here's the list because <laughs> if I tried to come off the top of my head, no, let, but let's even t- get a, a further sort of a thirty thousand sure. foot view, which is he's saying plants are screwing with our immune system. Certain ultimately, plants. I understand. Yes, but we are we are so plant um, enthusiastic. You know what I mean? We are, right? And I, I've been my whole life. I thought that's the way to dark green vegetables, whatever. Tomatoes. I love tomatoes. He's saying. That he has evidence, and it's it's evidence based. This is not just some sort of screwball. Ooh. This guy's a real deal. Yeah, uh, that there is a, a 
at least for some people, if not for all, a basis to remove a big chunk of plants from our diet. It's not just plants. It's lectins. It's lectins. Yeah. And so that includes you know, sugars, fats, dairy, soy, <laughs> potatoes, corn, white flour, uh, and healthy foods that you think. All wheat flours, grains, even a lot of nuts, nightshade vegetables. What kind of nuts? Um, cashews and peanuts. This is the one. Those are the only two I've. That's all I've eaten my whole those life. Those are the only two I've kept in my diet. And uh, it's funny when night, I added them in to my little carnivore diet. Yeah, it, I wasn't as happy. Yeah, nightshade vegetables, all beans, and a lot of fruits. A lot of fruits. Well, because too. of the sugar content of the fruits. So you're on my diet. It's essentially what I'm doing. N- no. and to keep it simple, no, I just I, no. Just because it's hard for me to. I don't. I, eat I know meats. you can't eat the meats, but but for me, just keep it simple. Yeah, eggs and meat. Totally. It, <laughs> just food, food is fuel for yeah. me. That's it. Yeah. It's not really made to be enjoyed anymore. And that's What's just what you, it is. How do you get the pro- – where do you eat? So I eat – you can – I mean like spinach and leafy greens are totally great for you. And then avocados, uh, nuts like walnuts and pecans and uh, pistachios, totally fine. Uh, listen, I've just – you know, the now we're – my wife and I like work with cassava flour and almond flour and right. coconut flour. We just – you know, we, we just try everything different. The, the dairy part is really interesting because it, he makes the case for A1 casein is the, the problem. And, and what does he think is happening? What's the theory? That that American cows are can, or have tons of poisonous lectins that are attacking people's and, guts. And so by lectins, what are they doing? Are they activating the immune system? Yeah, it's there... a protein. And boy, you're asking them. I mean, okay. you, know, you should have him in. He's got – Gary, let's do he's that. Got a, he's been in the news a lot lately. Well, he has a new book, a cookbook well, out, and it's number why. three on New York Times bestseller. Well, I just, saw the, I just saw the headlines out of that. I, I'd heard of this kind of thing flying around for a while, and I thought this is so interesting. I, I, meats he, – here's what he says on meats. It has to be grass-fed and, yeah. fin- and finished. So that's – well, sometimes they're grass-fed with, with some, some grains and some corn and soy. And you just, if it's finished, that means that that's, what, that's all they ate. Got it. Um, and that you should limit it to four ounces of, of meat a day. Oh. Um, and so, so here's the deal. So I went on this diet first to get my, my gut healthy. I took all these blood tests, poop tests, urine tests. I took them all before I went on the diet. I went on hardcore for one month or five weeks. When I came back, every gut test came back and everything on me had reduced. Did you feel better? I felt better. Did you know did you do anything brain? Did you know? It yes. It was the first time in five years yeah. I am no longer on PPOs or PPIs, sorry, PPIs, which are proton pump inhibitors, yeah. which are the acid reflux and, medication. And you think that affected your cognition? I don't know if it affects my cognition, but there are links to dementia long term. And I've been on, I mean, 80 milligrams a day for five years, which yeah, is a lot. That is a lot. And I am on it no longer. Yeah. I haven't had any acid reflux. When I'm on the diet, I have no acid reflux. That's crazy. It's gone. And, it's interesting. And, they, you know, doctors have prescribed opioids and all this oh, stuff. And like, right. I, I, don't, I, yeah. I don't do it. But what I'm saying is like the Mayo Clinic, they, their mission, you, you think, my God, the Mayo Clinic is the best hospital in the world. But they see 100 patients a day, the one doctor that I go to. Yeah. So his thing is he goes, look, your disease is what it is. He pats me on the back, gives me prime prescriptions, and yeah. sends me on my way at yeah. the Mayo Clinic. Yeah, yeah. And so I just had to, dis- I had to think of myself, well, I've got to disrupt this. Yeah. So that was step one was I got to get healthy first. And then the second was how do I cure an incurable disease or how to figure out a cure? And so now, that, I mean, I'll – I'll turn it back over to you, but like and, and that, what, what I'm say, on that path right so, now. So what I would say is a way of just so we don't, you know, over, over become overly enthusiastic with this. There, this doctor, what's his name again? I forget. Doctor Stephen Gundry. Gundry. Gundry has evidence that the immune system is activated in the gut by these lectins. This has been this theory has been flying around for a little while. It's growing and increasingly, it's getting more and more accepted. It is it, there may be like. You know, Adam Carolla has a gut made of steel. Yeah. It probably is not he's for told him. Me. Yes. Yeah, he's probably not his deal. Right. So we we all have our genetic variants of this, and maybe it has something to do with our diet as we're developing. Totally. But you know, you obviously had a very severe variant. I've got my own little weird variant yeah. of it that I'm experimenting with now. And for some people, it's going to be about optimizing how they look 100%. and feel and stuff. For other people, it may be medically relevant. Everybody, like everybody get, has a different cut. I mean, it's like some people get celiac disease. That's right. Uh, you have something that we don't fully understand yet, the, and and I would I would argue 
that what you had is a neuromuscular mm. attack on the neuromuscular system of your esophagus, which is outside your esophagus, not mm. even in your gut. It's the layer behind your gut essentially. I mean the, the esophagus is all kind of a muscle That's and right. a brain and a nerve. Um, and why it should have attacked that and not your nerves in your leg or something? I don't know. Who knows? But uh, just the fact that you're – it's an impressive story even though the, there are big pieces missing still. Right. right. Yeah. So anyway, that was the step one. And then step two was I got to find a way to cure it. And yeah. um, uh, so I wrote an article in Inc. Magazine a year ago and uh, a researcher saw the article, contacted me through my own company. I mean she, she just emailed the general email account at my company. Uh, told him, at, said, what are you talking about? <laughs> what is this? Yeah, I've had it for 20 years. Oh, she had achalasia too. She does. She's a researcher. Mm-hmm. She started a nonprofit, like the, one of the achalasia nonprofit or, you know, found, uh, awareness organizations. So I said, well, I'm going to, I'm going to find a cure for this. And she's like, how? And I said, well, I don't, <laughs> I mean, I said, I, I, I feel like there's an opportunity in stem cells. Like there's no research. There was some stem cell treatment. Uh, that I had found by Googling around, but it was done in the early 2000s. Not on anybody. It was, on achalasia. N- it, n- they hadn't treated anybody. It was basically doctors thought that that could be a hope. Okay. And then it died. I mean, like I saw nothing else forever yeah. and ever. So I said, I don't know. I think it could be. And I talked to all these stem cell clinics overseas, and they were all like, oh, sign up. Give us $30,000. We'd love to have you. And yeah. I went, oh, that didn't sound good. And she said, well, let me call around to some doctors. So she calls around. And she comes back to me a week later, and she says, well, actually, I found one doctor has been working on achalasia for basically 20 years, and he believes uh, that stem cells could be a way to regenerate the m- nerves and the muscles in the uh, esophagus. He's, I, I he's at Johns seen, Hopkins. Let me just, let me just yeah. put out my bias on Tell this. Tell me. Uh, I am an advocate for stem cell. Yeah. But I think in my – as I've seen it used, what, what, who's that cardiologist I did the Stem Hills uh, podcast with, Carrie? Can you find that one? Um, every time I talk to people who do stem cells, and I've talked to a lot of them, what you hear is, and this is without exception, what you're actually seeing is profound in- anti-inflammatory effects mm-hmm. of the stem cells. That they, they somehow they have anti-inflammatory mediators. Right. You, you, what I've never seen is stem cells going in and replacing and rebuilding <laughs> cells that are not there where they should be. That, that's what I've never seen. I mean, it can't happen or that we can't figure out how to do it. But the, what I've seen always is this anti-inflammatory property. Mm-hmm. Now, in your case, you may still have some anti-inflammatory – some inflammation left behind that's you know could be re- re- reversed. You know what I mean? Fair. It's, that that yeah. is one of the things yeah. that they've they've told me. And yeah. you're 100 percent right, and I understand all that. Yeah. We found so this doctor at Johns Hopkins because the conceit is, oh, I'll put cells in. They'll just go replace. So you get a new heart to get a new brain, okay. and it just does. I mean, it, it, this it, true. It, it could work like that one day. It does not work like that now. Correct. Yeah. So he put a team around me at Hopkins, yeah. and we brought in um, a couple other uh, uh, doctors and. Basically, I'm about to start a one-man clinical trial at Hopkins. You'll get better. You will get better. Well, and it, it will help you because that's I, they're I've gonna never... they're gonna extract calf muscle, culture it. Oh, I like it. Grow Ooh, that's it. different. Hang on a second. The, what's what number was that? I believe it was three eighteen. Doctor Ernest von Schwartz. Yes, it was von Schwartz. Exactly. So this is a little different than stem cell. Mm-hmm. This is actually they're they're going to try to graft replacement muscle onto your esophagus. True. That's different. There may be I, some stem cell treatment involved yeah, in it, but it's, it's a different. it's a one man clinical trial. And I said, "What do you think?" And he said, "I don't know. It's never been done before." And I'm like, Oof. "Anything bad?" And yes. he's like, "How are they going to put the muscle in?" Not, not really. How are it, they going to put it in? Well, it would. It's the stem cells. Of, no, they're going to take the, calf muscle. They're right, going to grow they're muscle. Culture. No, they're going to take the stem cells out of my calf muscle. Muscle stem cells. Yes. And they're going to inject them into your esophagus, and then they'll culture them at a lab in in Pennsylvania, and then uh, they'll they'll in, they're going to do small insertions. There's a thousand questions there because uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm you you can ask so, me. I probably so, don't have the answers. So we're you, waiting for the IRB, their uh, independent review I, board, I, to I, prove I, it. And I don't. That. I think you will have something. Something yeah, will yeah. happen. But but here's here's the deal. That's skeletal muscle down there. The bottom part where achalasia is most problematic is there's some smooth muscle down there. Mm-hmm. So they're going to improve your skeletal muscle, which will give you better propulsion into the smooth muscle. But maybe they've cut off all the smooth muscle from that operation. 
I think one of the concerns is that I've had too many surgeries. Yeah, yeah. And I've just had too much damage. There's another really interesting piece in here too that I don't know how to frame it, which is our autonomic nervous system. Mm-hmm. Is, is It's as complicated as the brain and we've just ignored it forever. And and what controls your esophagus mm. is oh. some skeletal, some you know volitional, mm-hmm. and some autonomic. Mm-hmm. And that facet, there's something in that that that's the organ that got attacked. That it's I don't yeah I don't know why I, I I mean I just consider that I had an unhealthy gut and and you know I ate it, and, all I can tell you is when you really find out what's going on, it's not a narrative. Right. You're, you're making a nice little story out of it now and that's what we have to do to kind of begin to understand things. Sure. But when you really f- figure out the biology, it's just things flying all different directions and probability equations that's that fair. sort of act out and this boom, this one thing happens. But it's – you're on to something, man. It's fascinating. I, and, yeah, and you are I, disrupting. That's good for you. You've done it. I, you know, if, if I, I had to think about it and sat down with my family and said, do we really want to – do this and be the the. Sort well, you of may the, move the field forward. That's it. Yeah, and if it doesn't work, there's a. I'll figure out a plan B. In fact, plan B is probably a. There's a doctor out of Wake Forest University called uh, named Tony Atala. Have you heard of Tony? Mm-hmm. He's about uh, growing 3D printing appendages. Jesus. And 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 I've I've had kind of calls with him. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got a great. Uh, uh, TED Talk on YouTube. You Is he a up. plastic surgeon? No. Because I've talked to a plastic surgeon that does 3D printing stuff. Um, no, he's, he's a director, about- director of the Wake Forest Institute for Regenerative Medicine. Oh, cool. And chair of urology. Urology. He's a urologist. Be careful. <laughs> I'm just saying the training yeah. is not yeah. what I want for somebody not, doing He's not doing, doing it. He's 10, 20 years down the road All on right. that. But, but, um, but he also was part of the team that met. And with my doctor at Hopkins, it's it to, and he had a lot of concerns. And I think he's the guy who's trying to make a kidney, right? Is yes, that guy? that's right. Yeah, that's yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. him. That's different than what you're dealing with. But but good. totally, yeah, yeah. But there's stuff out there that's yeah. going on. Oh yeah. And and I you know regardless, if I can just keep my esophagus, <laughs> and oh, you're worried to... about the the unraveling for later. I see. Yeah. I just think you're you ask them if they can also do something with sort of pluripotent stem cells, not just with like, stem is that cells. the fat? Just yes, the, yeah. just something because because that has a real effect. That those those more sort of indiscriminate stem cells. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm fascinated. I'm so glad you're doing it because you're not you're not just doing it for yourself. You're doing it for a lot of other people. Well, we'll see. I mean, you, you know, are. It's, it's a rare disease. So it's like one out of a hundred thousand, and most of the people are in their sixties and seventies, and I'm in my forties. And it was diagnosed in my 30s. Uh, but, I mean, you know. Did you have any gastroparesis also? Was your stomach um, motility down as well as the esophagus? Uh, I'm, I have motility issues, but not in my stomach. So it's, all in, it's all in the esophagus. Okay. So I want to hear more about your business then. So this, came, this went from medical to business or business to medical? Well, no. I work? just – I felt this paralysis within my own work for so long. Uh, excuse me, within, within my own disease for so long. And so then I just, uh, you know, when I decided I wanted to disrupt my disease and I started making progress, and frankly, it's this. Dr. Doctor, you're 100% right. I have to listen to doctors. It's not that at all. But the the medical community is so frightened by anything. Ossified. Because of, of uh, like you just said, Liability. because of the lawsuit yeah. issues, that they literally – just want to pat you on the head and give you medicine and send you on your way. And and there's I'm that's not a blame because they have to see 100 people a day or it, whatever. It, but it is. it's not even that that is one of the problems sure. is the, the amount of people we got to mill through, but but all we can do is all we can do. Mm-hmm. In that we're trained a certain way. There's a little bit of a cultish kind of thinking, you know, we're we're very much in our narrow zone of thinking about things and that and they're and they're not uncomplicated. They're very complicated thinking. Based on good evidence, you know, proper science done properly, but we're sort of not allowed to step outside of that because of the legal the legal implications and and the ethical slash privacy slash everything. We just can't. We're just not allowed to step out of the corridors we're, we're in, and so you know, it makes for a very uncreative kind of an environment, ossified environment. I mean, you know? the quote they gave me when I said. Well, why can't there be a cure? And they said, uh, Philip, there, it is what it is. You need to just accept it. And that's where I you know, finally went. I'm, I've got to figure something out because I've done that in my business. And, you know, I come from the world of politics where we run political campaigns and we go 100 miles an hour and we're constantly innovating and trying to get people elected. 
And it's Did, sort of is just it possible you blew a fuse neurobiologically from all the stress of running <laughs> campaigns? There may be a, that there was just a lot of internal stress in, in yeah. my makeup and my mind. Well, that's like, I'm, this autonomic nervous system stuff I'm thinking about. I wonder if it just sort of. Yeah. It's not that way now. I mean, uh, you know, I meditate now and and I'm, I don't really live in fear anymore because I don't I really don't care. And, and that amount of stress wiped off of me in the last two years has been amazing. So when you look back at that, do you, do you see that as toxic? Totally. So, oh, absolutely, a hundred percent. I think that's part of it. Yeah, was the amount of stress internally, yeah, and fear. Hmm. And I think, again, I, I I just resonate with what a lot of people are going through right now in different sides, whether it's business or in life or anything, because I I've lived like that for so long. So, so talk to me a little more now about the disruption of business generally. You're saying that we're in the middle of this huge disruption. Clearly, there's a disruptor in the White House. Clearly, there's you know lots of stuff being disrupted everywhere, and. Personally, I glory in it I'm like, because we've been – I wish I my profession would disrupt a little more. You're a disruptor. That's why I'm so happy you're doing it. I mean clearly I, – I, listen, I'm not, I'm not here to talk about Donald, Javanka, where they went to dinner, what he said and tweeted about. I don't care about that. So I want to make sure your audience knows I'm not here to like sit here and talk about no, policy I'm interested, issues. No, I'm interested but in I the want fact to talk that, about it is but I'm how it works. North, like, I'm interested that somebody thought they could – denuclearized in North Korea now it's sure. happening uh, absolutely somebody had to think that was possible it's not and, that they had to think it's possible it's that somebody came in and said he did, I mean like he didn't the thing about Trump is Trump's been criticized so much for not following what everybody has always done for forever yeah and where has that gotten us and I'm he He's not thinking, so, I need to do it differently. He's yeah. just being himself. He's just doing whatever. Yeah. yeah. So how does the average person that doesn't have that kind of personality, let's say, um, and and is interested in not being, you know, like him, interested I, – I, I, like personally, I'd rather be more like Barack Obama as, as a yeah. person, but I'd rather be a disruptor like him at the same time. Can you do both is of my question. you, you can. Yeah. Both. I mean like obviously, you know, Trump – is uh, a unique individual that's – and you probably look at the psychology and understand it better no, than I, I do. And but. I look at it go, well, I, look, I, they sent him in to be a disruptor. They sent in a, a murder weapon and they got it and it's – The, I, the American voters yeah, they said, we want the Molotov cocktail. That's right. They you know, you dynamite. guys have done this in D.C. to us for too damn long. Yeah. You, pro- I, you promise. I wish you somebody promise, would throw that into California. Promise. That's right. maybe the breaking in California to three or right. something because it, you, we need major, major disruption. So you're seeing that in politics, but you're also seeing it in business Where? And so, oh well let, let's take the most basic simple example and i've talked about this a lot but it's you know we'll talk about automated cars right yeah. we know that's coming i have a five-year-old daughter she'll never drive and all that stuff that's not the disruption i'm talking about the disruption i'm talking about is the second and third order consequences of the, something like that so what happens to governments that can't fund uh don't have parking tickets anymore or speeding tickets are not issued anymore where does that funding come from how do they collect money and taxes how does uh, how do emergency care workers, right, nurses in hospitals? What happens? How many of them are going to be cut when we have thirty eight thousand less car deaths a year? Mm. Organ donors. What is going to happen to people on organ donor lists when there are no more? Basically, traffic accidents will be close to being eliminated from what they are right now, right? And so there are. I mean, I could go on and on. Another example is as crazy as it sounds. 19% of greenhouse gases comes from uh, land animals. Yeah, People in Silicon Valley have figured out how to 3D print meat, how to take the cells from cows and print a steak that tastes unbelievable. You go to YouTube and Google it up. You can look at it. When they are able to eliminate, let's say, 75% of land animals, we cut greenhouse gases. But what happens to farmers? Right. What happens – to grocery stores, um, like they're they're going undergoing the disruption with Amazon that's going to eliminate grocery store workers. So I mean, like every th- single thing. Look at the but, but, insurance industry but, but, is about but, to be completely but I, I would, to disrupted. Me, I, I know a lot of people look at that with uh, trepidation. I look at those kinds of stories with no more trepidation that I would look at anybody talking about uh, a carriage manufacturer in 1920. Or a whore, mm-hmm. or a livery a livery service in 1910. It's like, yeah, yeah, you were good. We needed you. We ain't gonna need you in ten years. Figure and, it and out. We'll, figure yeah, it out. And we will figure right? it out. That's it. And so, 
I, I feel like it is that kind of a shift. Like it feels like when the automobile hit. It feels like that kind of a – but it's happening in multiple areas, right? right. It's not just transportation. It's our friend at Quip. It's an electric toothbrush that is a fraction of the cost of the bulkier brushes while still packing just the right amount of vibrations to help you clean your teeth. It's a, got a built-in timer, so it helps you clean for the de- dentist-recommended two minutes. I really rely on that because otherwise I would stop too soon. And, of course, Quip's subscription plan are available for your health. It's not just for convenience. They deliver new brush heads on a dentist-recommended schedule every three months for just $5, including free shipping, and that is worldwide. Comes with a mount that suctions right to your mirror, unsticks to use as a cover for hygienic travel wherever you're taking your teeth. And finally, everyone loves it. They were on the Oprah's O-List, named one of Time's Best Inventions, and is the first subscription electric toothbrush accepted by the American Dental Association. And they're backed by a network of over 20,000 dentists and hygienists and hundreds of thousands of happy brushers. Quip starts at just $25, and if you go to Get Quip. That's G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash Drew. Right now, you'll get your first refill free with a Quip electric toothbrush. That is your first refill pack for free at getquip.com slash Drew. Again, G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash Drew. True car. Now, you're probably familiar with terms like MSRP. I don't even know what that means. Right? Invoice, list price, dealer price. It's, it's enough to confuse anybody. Well, now, if you're looking for what the price actually is, True Car has true price. You'll know exactly what you'll pay for the car you want, including fees and accessories. And, of course, that's before you get to the dealership. So you enjoy a faster, easier buying experience. True Car dealers will show you the true price on cars precisely like the one you want. And it's all from the comfort of your home. How do you know if your true price is a great price? Well, it's because True Car shows you what other people pay. See that scattergram? You lock in a price, and you're locking in a price for a vehicle on the True Car certified dealer's lot. And the True Car certified dealers know that you are shopping, so they set their prices, the true price. They set it competitively, so they will win your business. So when you're ready to buy new or used, that's right, they have used cars as well as new cars. Go to True Car and you'll enjoy a more confident car buy experience. Some features not available in all states. Zoom, everybody. Video conferencing has changed the way we do business. Fewer long-distance trips. Zoom, and Zoom is so good. Don't use the other guys. I'm not, I'm not kidding you. Zoom is HD video. It is striking. First time you see 25 faces all at once live on the screen, uh, that will change your opinion. And with Zoom, you can share anything else you want with anybody on any device, a Word file, a spreadsheet, a presentation deck. It does everything. It's really, this is it now. Zoom has finally got this right. You can do anything you always wanted in a video communication with some amazing features you never even thought of. You can even set up a green screen behind you and make a backdrop of, say, your client's logo or something like that. You can be in some exotic location. But if you already use Zoom, as I do, you know what I'm talking about. Meet happy with Zoom video communications. You will be happy with this. I kid you not. Video conferencing, this particular form of video conferencing with Zoom it's reliable. It is easy. You won't be unhappy. I promise. We use it all the time. Set up your free account today at zoom.us. Z-O-O-M dot U-S. Step into the walk-in with Celebrity Chef Richard Blaze podcast, Starving for Attention, every Tuesday on Podcast One. Serving up great interviews with Curtis Stone, Thug Kitchen, Andrew Zimmern, and more. Download Starving for Attention with Richard Blaze at Podcast One and Apple Podcast. Also, don't forget to rate and review. Speaking of transportation, though, we, we got to get in the air. Please give me a drone well, that, that can fly that's or right. something. Well, Please. that's coming. It's funny. That, that that has been in the works for like 10 years. And Please. I beg you. I'll be the first. They're about 10 years away and, from it. But, but to be fair, I may be an organ, organ donor as a result because there, here comes some accidents in it from a different place. You know what I'm saying? We may not get it from car accidents anymore, but it's going to be me and my drone now. We're, now I'm going to be an organ donor. You know what I'm saying? It, it, you, you know, you, no, yes, you got, rid of, you got uh, rid of all the car accidents, but we'll, we'll, do, we'll, they, we'll they, still have opiate will, addiction and no, drones I'm, flying around. So there'll be plenty of organs. No, the, here's, the, here's what they've got. I mean, I've seen this because I've been in Silicon Valley yeah. so much. First of all, they have all the AI technology that can make sure nobody touches each other. That's good. There's gonna, there will be no more speed limits when we have, go to automated cars. <laughs> there will be no more stop signs because the cars will be able to sense it. They'll be able to sense when to speed up and when to slow down because another car is coming from three miles ahead. Yeah. All of those things will be gone. Now, it will happen gradually, so it's not like a big smack in the face. But the fact is – and like what happens to the – 
car insurance industry when there are no more accidents. It's over. The one industry that will do really well is life insurance because mm-hmm. we're all going to live a lot longer in the mm-hmm. future, right? Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, there are all these different orders of consequences that are going on. And what I found – t- I talked to 100 CEOs in the, for the book, and they, they said the one thing they, they can't wrap their arms around is sort of the digital media. And, and like they used to be able to throw up a TV ad. Yeah. And they got – tons of customers or they you know there's there so many different advertising platforms that used to be easy it was a one-stop shop and now you have to go in front of 20 30 different platforms yes, in order to, to get exist. your message yes, out you and everywhere. so then they put their head in the sand these business owners and their businesses are not innovating they're not growing and the disruption is coming and they're not doing anything so i decided to write the book to say Here's how we do things in politics as a different mechanism for them to think. And the fact is, is that when, when my company applied political principles to businesses, we grew those businesses. Because here's the deal. We, we are moving into a customer is in charge economy. That's, that's what we are in right now. Customer is in charge. Yes. Is that different than it has been? Absolutely. If you bought a car 10 years ago, the dealership was in charge. Now you oh. have true cars, right? Yeah. Uh, Uber is yeah. now – like if, you, if an Uber driver – yesterday I was in New York. Uh, an Uber driver almost killed me. I rate him. I'm in charge yeah. now of that yeah. business. Okay. Yelp. How, what has Yelp done to businesses? Okay. Both, I mean good and bad, yeah. right? Yeah. The customer is in charge. Okay. And so, so many – Businesses out there are not sen- sensing that. They think they have a really good product, they have a great service, but they're not figuring out what the customer wants. Mm. But in politics, all we think about is what the voter wants. Yeah. That's the only way we design our campaigns. So, so what do people want going forward? Well, what do you mean? And what, that's a very broad question. It's so. a very broad question. Intentionally, I want to just tell you I answered it. What do people want going in, forward? In other words, if yeah, so they, I'm, yeah, I'm, the, I'm yeah. trying to create a, a business that is going to respond to the voter, so to speak. You go to where they're not. And what I mean by that is people want connection. Th- that, that's a very big topic. And Correct. I agree with you because we've and been And if you go to them in, in multiple platforms, both traditional and digital media, but if you can also figure out a way to tap into their emotion. And what we do in politics is we go door to door, knock on doors. We have the candidates go to door to door. We set up phone banks. We do those sorts of things. If you can figure out in your own business – how you can tap into a personalized communication with a person and tell them that what you have is meeting their needs, mm. then you've found the secret sauce. And so I think it's infinitely harder, infinitely harder to get to, to get a, someone to vote for an unsavory or unknown candidate running for office than it is to get somebody to buy a tube of toothpaste. That makes sense to me. And so when we applied the way we innovate and have to constantly think about the voter, we applied that to businesses. We saw these businesses explode and grow. Do you have an example? So we can sort yeah, of I have a great it. example. So, and this uh, is all in the book? Yeah. yeah. So I have um, uh, a friend of mine. And this, it all started by accident. So a few years ago, a guy owns a huge real estate development company in Hawaii. And he said, uh, I'm kind of fascinated by how you guys do things in market and politics. You think it could help my business? And I said, let's go try. He had spent a huge budget ad campaign to try to get people to buy houses in this development where he was building along the coast in Hawaii. And um, he had no leads out of, the, out of a five, high five-figure budget. Or he had one lead. Sorry, one lead. So we came in there. He gave us 25% of that total budget. And we went in there and used our the way we target voters, and we went in and targeted certain segments, found out people that would be interested in those kind of homes, found out geographically. Like the old marketing firm was was putting stuff in the Wall Street Journal mm-hmm. for East Coast people to see right. that there's houses in, in Hawaii. Yeah. And we were targeting people in Arizona and California and military bases around – uh, around Hawaii and all this. And all of a sudden, we ended up having like a 700% increase in the leads for their sales just because we applied political principles to what we were doing. So if I, if I just understand what you're saying, it's pick the right market, pick the, pick the right customer? No, it's understanding the customer. Understand the right customer. And we have a process that we go through. Huh. It's like we do with voters. We, we do research on them. We take polling. We understand what they need, what they like. Uh, we do the same thing with businesses, and then we take the data and, and then design models around it, and then know. So I know what that customer, that voter wants, and then I deliver the message of what they're interested in, how that product serves them, or how that service serves them. Now you said a few minutes ago, you said connect to them emotionally or stir their emotions. Right. 
That doesn't sound like a very emotionally based process. Well, I'll give you a great one. Yeah. Uh, the most emotional campaigns we do in politics are negative ad advertising. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Do you like those negative ads when you see them? No. No. Does anybody like them? No. You know why we do them? Because they work. They work. Yeah. Right. And so what I encourage businesses to do is to take negative ad strategies and apply them to their business. Huh. Now, you may think that that's... That doesn't make sense. Why would you do that? You're going to offend customers on stuff. That's not what I'm talking about. Has it always been that way or is that a relatively new phenomenon the last 30 or 40 years? The, the neg- neg- negative response. Well, so it's not negative. It's not like clubbing someone over the head like we like to do in politics, yeah. right? It is – do you remember uh, Apple versus PC ad? The nerdy uh, PC guy and the real cool hipster Apple. With Justin Long. Yep, that's right. I, I really remember that. The, the Apple ad I remember <clears throat> is the one – where it was like 1984 and that big guy. That was the most famous ad, right. For, you know, that's the, well, the Apple that's and, and disrupting, you right. know, right? And that's, that's emotional. Sure. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, this one was uh, – a, a, it was basically a, a nerdy guy that represented the PC computer yeah. and then the uh, hipster guy that represented the Apple computer or yeah. the, 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 the Mac. It was Mac versus PC was the yeah. ad campaign. And they did not – Run any that you know the Mac guy never said anything negative about the Mac, about the PC guy. He just like let him dig, dig his own grave and yeah. made him into a nerd. Yeah. You know, and it was nothing was offensive about it. Yeah, uh, I'll tell you a tactical one that's been recently. Like uh, uh, McDonald's put out a tweet recently, and the tweet said, "Insert copy here." Like their marketing person screwed up, and you know. Put yes. out this tweet that yes. basically they forgot to put the copy in, right? Yes. And and Wendy's responded and said, you know, you're, uh, hey McDonald's, your tweets are broken like your ice cream machine. And that's funny. One, two, no one's offended. Three, it got tons of plague, tons of stories, who, tons who, of free who, advertising. Who out won of it. on that one? Wendy's or McDonald's? Wendy's? Wendy's wins because okay. they went after them. Okay, but it. they did it in a humorous way. They didn't offend anybody. So humor. There's one. There's one positive. Humor rated. is is absolutely okay. one of the the so, biggest so aspects. And so you bring out emotion that way yeah, by yeah. using humor. Uh, in a, in a you know, and again, you can collaborate with a, com- a competitor and do these things, and you're going to get stories written about it. you're going to get free media you're going to get all these things and, and then then there's so so you're really sort of in the persuasion zone which is sort of scott adams and all that stuff and and uh, who's the power of positive thinking uh, help me with that look that book up uh oh uh, do, do you do you feel with scott adams and all his no. stuff he, he sounds a lot like you in a, in a sort of a different discipline mm-hmm. which is persuasion language persuasion as much as anything parapositive thinking norman vincent norman peel. vincent peel yep uh and and using you know catchwords and language that evoke emotion rather than anything worried about facts or, or right yeah you know, just just get get emotion going and tag people and other products with sort of names that are sticky and evoke an image that you can't ever get away from again. Sure. I mean, but, I mean good and, gosh, you don't I mean that's all politics is. Well like way. like he he looks at he looks at what Trump did with crooked Hillary. He goes right. perfect. Or lo, low energy jab. Low energy jab. I mean he crushed. Right, and now we've got he caught Comey something the other day. I was like, oh, there it goes. That's gonna be right. called slippery or slimy Comey or something. <laughs> oh there it is. That's that's But he gets it. Trump does instinctively. He gets that. He gets it instinctively. So, so what is somebody who I don't get that? To me, that's all mysterious and bizarre to see them doing that, and even think that it works. To me, is like, huh? That doesn't work on me. Right. I don't even believe that. Slippery, by the way. It's Slippery. His fifth. Uh, I just found a great wiki of all the different nicknames he's used for all the different people. That's his fifth Comey nickname. <laughs> See, he's making a mistake. He should have just stuck with one. Well, no, what, they must not have worked. He must have known. Well, they're they're, they're changing as it's funny when you read. It, it starts with Leakin, then Sanctimonious, then Lion, Slimeball, and Slippery. So it's kind of as the stories <laughs> are progressing, he's changing to adapt. There you go. And, and they they're Im, they have imagery. They have you know, and they have emotion. And, right. And they, so I'll give you a good statistic. Yeah. Uh, we uh, there, uh, there was a, a study done in 2014 2016 elections and basically they did they did a, a control group and then they they went out and did a uh, an experimental group and the experimental group they took voters that were registered to vote but never voted right they, in both both cases and in one of the, the experimental group they went out and uh took those people went door to door knocked on the door 
did a proactive message, yeah. uh, tried to get to know those voters, uh, paid attention, figured out what they cared about, did polling on them, and then did, you know they went through this whole process. And the other one they didn't do anything with. Yeah. There was a seven – I think between uh, – it was like a 15 percent increase in voter turnout from the experimental group versus the control group. Now, if you're talking about a million voters – Turning out 150,000 new voters that would typically not vote—that's a lot. How do they explain that? Emotion. Just they the, got the personal the connection. Personal connection. Yeah. And how, here's a great example of a business that does that. Uh, do you, are you familiar with the clothing line Billy Reed? No. Uh, they're out of New York. Yeah. And my wife loves his clothes. And Billy Reed, my wife, for her birthday this year, she bought a bunch of clothes, and they sent them to her in a box, and in the box was a handwritten note. Oh yeah. And she went. Uh, she's still talking about it two months later, and she's like, "I'll buy from them because they care about me." So I, the reason I'm I'm plugging so hard into this uh, uh, and digging so hard into you is that I I am interested in helping people change. There's some there's I, I agree with everything you said about the disruption, and sure. I, but I feel like we're also on the cusp of some. I don't know, uh, maybe a psychological shift or, or, or an interpersonal shift when, when I think there's a potential for more health ahead in, interpersonally and maybe even collectively as a citizenship or something. And I, I'm just trying to figure out how I can help contribute to that or move that. And, and it's very – again, these are terribly broad, unfair questions to, to throw into your lap. Um, but I feel like the kinds of things you're talking about can be very significant forces for good. Mm-hmm. And, and so it, it just interests me. And I'm trying to sort of understand where we can all apply I, I think that. you can tell I'm passionate about it. Yeah, yeah. I do think it's for good. And I do think it can it Is can it be only used. through politics and business? I mean, how else can it be applied? I guess some of the, how I'm asking. Well, I, I think – How can we persuade and move and I think to, it's to educate? It, and I think know. the key to life is growth. Yeah. I, it's funny. Kroll and I did a podcast today where we said exactly that. It's, and, it's and, but personal. A lot, a lot of people don't grow, though. No. They don't. And, and, but when they grow, they find purpose. And they find, um, and, and they find fulfillment. And so is that just the message? You know, is that um, if we can well, get that if, planted, so to speak, in everybody, you know, not, you know a, a message about growth? It's a pretty big deal. It is. Yeah. So I'll, can I, I'll lay out how I do it practically. Good. Um, if I and I apologize if I keep interrupting, I'm just I'm kind of fascinated by everything you're saying. So please. Okay, no. so I carve out two hours a week to think think about my marriage. Uh, I have to because otherwise I'm reacting to my marriage, mm-hmm. and so when I think about it, I think about how I want to light my wife up. I want to think about uh, how I meet her needs. I want to think about what she's going through. And I try to work through all of that. Is, so it, that, is it meditative or do you write it down? Oh, no, do you have I an write, action plan? I yeah. think and then I'll Google yeah. and I'll go in. I'll look stuff yeah. up and I'm just trying. And, and so and my wife and I sit down and have a meeting every week, not just on tactical stuff that we need to get done. Do you have kids? We have one. Yeah. A little girl. And then we talk about what can we do to improve our own marriage. And so that has taken our relationship to another level. Um, as you can tell from my story, I definitely think in a growth mentality with my disease. Mm-hmm. All of this is rooted in the fact that I'm in a business that if if we don't win elections, we're dead. We're out of work. So I constantly have to think and, and grow and innovate and innovate and innovate. But it really is sort of in my DNA too. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure winning is a healthy thing, unfortunately. I know it's your business. I right. know no alternative. But for the average person, I'm not sure that's a great – What's competition? Competition's good. Winning, you have to not care. You have to be interested in just growing. I think that's yeah. that's a fair statement. Yeah, yeah. I think that you could. But so yeah. I, I, you know, whether it be my health, my business, or my personal relationship, yeah. and I, I do the same thing with my daughter. Yeah. Um, How old is she now? She's five. Hmm. And I just didn't. I mean, my parents are amazing, but they they just grew up in a different time period. Oh, wow. They grew up in the in the fifties, and so there there was. You know, the latchkey kid kind of thing. It's not like I was just left alone, but it just – I've done more with my daughter in my life than, than they have. And that's not a knock. That's just that's just what different. it is. Just I different. am completely and, – And you're spending all this time at Silicon Valley. Is some of this inspired from, by that or – I, I think seeing and, all that blew my mind. And, and, what, <laughs> and are you still seeing it? You're still up there exposed to it? Yeah. What, what other – you've mentioned printing and other things. What else – Oh, I just think this whole blockchain and cryptocurrency, which I took a two-day class on, and I still have no idea what it is. Are but you invested in it? No. 
Yeah. I can't invest in something I don't understand. Yeah. So, but it, it, it is, wouldn't be investing. Be just, yeah, <laughs> right. Crabs. It would be. Yeah. That's right. And so, but it, that's been uh, a fascinating aspect of it. I think the housing market's going to be disrupted. I mean, I think in what way? real estate agents. I mean, why do you need a real estate agent? No, yeah, I'm with you on that. And why, why do you have? Why does it take? Uh, six weeks or eight weeks or four weeks to close on a house. Four hey, weeks if listen, you've got the money that, and the here. cash. And, in, in, in New York, you have to have an attorney and a whole right. – it's crazy. And, and there are people in Silicon Valley that are cutting that process down to like five days. And so, I mean, it, it, just everything. And so what, in my book, uh, I wanted to serve. Like that's important. I get that. And so uh, we created um, an uh, an audit for free for anybody, and I'll, I'll give it to your listeners. But it's uh, philipstutz.com backslash audit. And if you have a business, you can go in there and you put in all of your digital footprint, all your social media handles of your business. Your you know if you do email campaigns, your websites, all that stuff. And we will completely audit everything with and then within five days, and then we'll send you a report and a scorecard. So you'll know what works, what you're doing wrong, what you're doing right, and it'll give you kind of the ammunition to to make the change, uh, improve what you're doing, uh, or fire the marketing firm that you're uh, currently working with. And, and and is there a further business for you there? Like if, if we like what you – If they do, but that's not the point of what I'm doing. It, I will tell you we've done 100 of these. 95 of them did not engage with us and we did not push engagement. Um, Afterwards. I, I, no, I just, if they, if they really, really want to, we'll talk to them. But yeah. the, the point is I want to give people the opportunity to get in the game. And that was uh, what we created at the company. We funded the whole thing. Uh, what's, what's the company called? My company yeah. is, uh, it's, well, we have a corporate uh, company and a, and a political company. It's funny. We ran all of our political marketing, our all corporate market through our, um, all the corporate marketing we did, we ran it through the political marketing firm. And then this company said, you know, we really don't want to be associated with your political oh, right. network. And I went, right, oh, right. I got that. Yeah. So we have a company called Win Big Media and uh, the political company is called Go Big Media. And so if you go to Win Big Media, is there a similar audit there? Yeah, it's it'll link back to the win, to the same win one. big media winbigmedia dot com and, and I and I'm thinking you know in terms of disruptive kinds of thinking, um, how you define what a business is has got to be totally different too now. I mean, like Adam's a business, I'm a business. That's 100 percent right. Right. So you may right. just be evaluating individuals. Yeah, so Footprint and so that's right. And I I mean I could look and say you yeah. know. You know, the Corolla websites all over the place are they – I mean the Corolla team does an amazing job on like Facebook and, yeah. and on socials and digital. I mean, yeah. But we'd go through that whole thing and we'd monitor it all. Uh, my team just does it and it's it's been a blast too because we learn about so many different businesses. Huh. And then you you really can pinpoint like we'll give the report back and we do a conference call with them to kind of tell them what they need to do. And for, ev- This is for free? Yeah. This is the greatest bargain in the history it's of awesome. humanity. And But you'll be surprised. They're like, yeah, that's you're 100% right. We need to do those things, but we're just not in that place. And it's like, all right, but, but here you go. We, we you know, I did my part. Yeah, I'm yeah. good. This will work. I, if they don't want to change, that's on them. Is that that they don't have the faith of experience that you do because you've done it in so many different No, contexts? the example I will give is it is uh, it's like political donations. Asking uh, someone to write a check to a politician when they know they can't write that check off. Yeah. Like I'm giving you. Uh, I'm giving you, Drew. You know this. Po- let's say you're a politician. I'm going to yeah. write you a two thousand dollar check, yeah. and I can't write that off. It's an unnatural act. Yes. And then asking these business owners, uh, telling them, "Hey, you've got it, and make some investment dollars into, you know, you- we said. Let me give you. A- Sorry, let me break out. Yeah. We sat down with Google and Facebook almost on a weekly basis. Two years ago, they came to me and said, "You need to start hiring people that can do video production." They said that to you two years ago. To you. Yes. So they were evaluating you at that point. No, they they we were sitting and saying, where, "What do y'all? What is going to? Wh- where do you guys going to focus on in the future?" Uh. And they said, "You y'all need to hire video production because everything's going to video, mm. everything." And so I go, "Well, that's really not my business model yet." I was like, "We were planning on hiring all these other people," but I said, "Okay." And so we went out and created this large product, video production team, graphic art, creative team. 
sure enough, that is where everything is right now, is all video. And so when we go and do these audits, we'll find out people have websites and they have no video because the last time they updated their website was 2012. Mm -hmm. And you go, look, you've got to get, and it's not just video, it's, you know, do you, are you doing six second video? Are you doing, is it formatted correctly? Because literally Facebook, if you don't format your videos on mobile a proper way, they will do nothing with it. No one will see it. Hmm. So you have to do all these little techniques that they are telling us you have to do. And then the business owner is like, oh my God, I'm overwhelmed. I'm com that's too complicated. I, I don't want to do that. But things are working fine right now. Right now. Interesting. Really, I mean, it's so, I, I hope you don't get overwhelmed with people calling you after, after this podcast. No, that was, that's the point. We're, we're, no, we're I'm ready still, for it. Like, we, we've, uh, we've, we've put this together. It was about a year ago. And we've how many people to, in your company now? Uh, we're at 21. And where is it? We have Washington, D.C., Florida, and uh, Dallas, Texas. And where, where's home for you? So, so uh, you know, it's interesting. Um, I heard you say this the other day. You don't know why you you live here anymore. Um, I, I, I really am. I've lived here my whole life, and I'm ready to leave. So, and, and so I, I just emotionally, sure. I feel like it's broken down. <laughs> like it's just broken down. And I, I see I have two options. Get out of here. Or break the state up. That's about all. Because because the, the people that are they're clinging to their power are not going to correct it. They're going to just keep breaking it down. It's just really a horrible thing. I, I get it. So uh, I lived in Washington D.C. for seventeen years, yeah. and the last time, last few years we were there, uh, we were paying. I always thought we paid the highest income tax. Y'all pay more here, but we were paying like close to ten percent in city income tax. We were getting no services. We had terrible schools. Um, you know, basically I was the enemy because I paid the most in taxes. Welcome to California. Right. And so, um, and we lived in a neighborhood. I couldn't send my newborn girl to school, to welcome, public school. Welcome to California. And I just said, they don't want me here. Right. They literally don't want me right. here the anymore. The Laffer curve. And so right? I, uh, and yes. And so I said, uh, we're getting out of here. So we moved to Florida, uh, with no state income tax. Uh, my little girl will start kin public school kindergarten next year. That's a great public school. Yeah, Tennessee, and then I Nevada, have the, Texas. I have the choice to send her to private school if yeah, I want. Sure. We live at the beach. My quality of life, like no traffic are, anymore. Are you trying to get me to leave today? That, well, I'm telling you, <laughs> it was the greatest decision we ever made. We live in a small town now. I didn't. People were so nasty in Washington D.C. just because yeah. the, the traffic and yep. the parking yep. and every everybody and just it just festers. And so now we live in a small town, and we have great friends, and we have no traffic. And are you from the South? Yeah. Where I'm from, Alabama. Yeah. What part? Uh, Birmingham. It's a beautiful city. It's it is. It yeah. is a great city. Um, but we live in the Panhandle, in the Redneck Riviera. Oh, yeah. Um, so for the people around the country that don't know, the Panhandle is its own country. Oh, yeah. It's very different. Sure. It's the uh, northern part. It's the most southern part. Yeah. Right. Yeah, because it, it, it goes down below Georgia and Alabama. That's right. So we're in a town called Seaside, Florida. It's an unbelievable little beach community. I mean, unbelievable. Is that near Panama City? Yeah. It's in between. It's right. I forgot you used to go to Panama City. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's in between Destin and Panama City. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so Florida's like four states, northern Florida, central Florida, right. southern Florida, and the Panhandle. Right. Yeah, it's weird. It's totally. Yeah, and yet yet Florida functions, unlike California. We're like right. three states so too, I, but we I, function. But I commute everywhere, right? And I'm in planes all the time, yeah. stuff like that. But my wife and I work on it. We're communicating. We know, like, this is what it is. We get an opportunity to live in an incredible place. We're happy. You know, we run you – know, there's no more winters. That was the big thing for us too. Winters? In winters, Washington, D.C., we had uh, winters. Yeah, yeah. And we don't have winters anymore yeah, really yeah. and that's unbelievable. Florida, nice. people don't realize that – not the panhandle so much. But but Florida is more like California culturally than you'd imagine. Mm -hmm. It's kind of – it's familiar. I guess because it's sort of newly settled kind of thing right. I guess. And uh, – I don't know. I just feel more – I feel at home in Florida. You know what was the interesting side aspect for me, Dr. Mm. Drew, is uh, it gave me time to think. Being in Florida. Yeah. I'm not in the hustle and bustle anymore. I'm not trying to get places anymore. When I'm home, I'll, I get into my office at 7 a.m. and I study and think and I have time to think in, clear head, in a clear head. Yeah. And that was – that's a game changer. Yeah. I, I'm, I just insert my own personal stuff in here. Please. I'm done. I, 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 well, I, I – love cities. I love people. So I, I sort of need it. I need to be around people. And, and like New York City to me right now is – I could retire in New York City. That's how I feel about it. It's weird that I'd ever be saying that. Um, so I'm not sure I could go to Florida. But 
could go to Nashville. <laughs> you know what I mean? I could go to Dallas. Nashville's a great. Nashville's a great. My son went to Vanderbilt, so we spent no, a lot no. of time. It was fantastic. Right. Um, but I also kind of feel like I want to fight it out in California because there are people starting to fight it, fight it back. I mean, this thing's kind of unraveling with the sanctuary city stuff. You can always come back. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to get me to leave. You should oh. leave. I don't oh. know how y'all do it. I, you know, in fact, the last time when I was on with Corolla a couple of weeks ago. I I've, I was like flabbergasted by – there are billboards out here with lawyers that are bragging about how much money – like yeah. I, I've, I've brought in $500 million for my clients yeah. and it was only in these poor Hispanic neighborhoods I was driving through. Yes. And I went – they are – I was a marketer. I'm like they are marketing to the low – I mean they, yeah. they, they are like preying on people here. Yes, that, the lottery, the check cashing. Right. There's, there's all this – and, and nothing in government to help help it out. Right. Well, you do have a mayor who's um, going even, to Iowa, and he's yeah. telling everybody that L.A. is the fail is the model F- of the minus, country. F minus. <laughs> Sanitation. Yeah. At dangerous levels because of the encampments everywhere. Right. People languishing and suffering in the streets. Roads suitable for horses. Traffic patterns that non-functional. I just want to get in the air just to tell the fuck off. I'm just going, fuck it. I'm going in the air. I don't trust you all to do anything with our roads ever. I'm going up. I'm going to the sky. So as soon as one's available, just as an FU to our city government in Los Angeles, I, I'll take it. I don't I care what it just costs. Be ha- if you went to Nashville, it's like the ni- everybody's nice. I know. Could you imagine just Listen, going to a place I, where people are nice? No. Oh, it's great. Yeah, I know. That whole corridor from like – Illinois, uh, yeah. Indiana, Ohio, South. <laughs> just really the nicest people. Yeah. You did and, uh you did a lot of time in Panama City back in the day, didn't you? Yeah, and when I used MTV. to go we used to when we were on MTV, we <laughs> right. used to go out there once a year, I think yeah. we did it. And um that was insane. That well was around yeah. Christmas. Uh, it's what, not like that anymore. Spring right? spring yeah, yeah, spring break. break. Do right. they still do that down there? It's very restricted. It's not like it was when yeah. you were down there. Was, you can't drink on the beach anymore down there yeah, that during was, spring break. That was crazy. Um, but I, I, you know, I, I really, Philip, your, your story intrigued me with the cardio, the achalasia story. I'm fascinated by that still. I hope you'll keep in touch with me and let me know how this thing's oh, working out. Oh, thank you. I will. And I, and I hope you can. I'd love your input from time to time. I like, love it. If you think don't make sense, I'm good at making sense of what the doctors tell you. Of so, course. So I'll be happy to sort of translate that thank for you. you. Um, but I also think that there's a piece of what you're doing that you need to look at as um, service, you know, mm-hmm. allowing them to experiment with your stuff. You mm-hmm. may drive some benefit, but it's also service to people with with all kinds of conditions. Mm-hmm. You're thinking just about achalasia, but they're thinking about you know what can we do with stem cells and we grow them and what do they do and will they innervate and will new nerve cells grow and there's a million. I mean. See, when you think about innovation in medicine, I think you're thinking about stuff like you're getting involved with. When I think about it, I think about mm-hmm. just the operation of the medical system. Mm-hmm. Which the bureaucracy, is, the blob. It's a disaster. Yeah. It's, it's a catastrophe, uh, both in terms of how the insurance system works and how the hospitals work and how doctors are required to function. It's just, it's just bad. And so somebody – I have great faith that uh, Buffett and mm-hmm. Bezos and who was it? Was it also – What's the name from Microsoft? Was that the three that, that they're going to try oh, to innovate? Oh, my it was, God. It was three three very powerful. Offline, I'll tell you about Bezos is doing it. It's insane. In medicine? Oh. And you can't talk about it yet? No, I can. Well, tell me. Oh, okay. Tell me. I'm, th- because we, I think those are the guys that are going to We were just it. at a conference. And they're going to have to step completely outside of the yeah. system and bring something I, I think there's like 100 – he's got $150 million in one of these medical startups. And they've basically, and again, I please, uh, there, there were like five CEOs of medical startups there. Yeah. So I may be getting some of these confused. One okay. of the, one of the startups got up there and said they, they really believe they've isolated the, 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 like the cancer gene or the age gene. And then they can go in and identify how to delay aging. Mm. And all of this stuff. I mean, this is, but know, this is with hundreds of millions of dollars behind it. This is no, not. No, I know, but that's they don't. Oh. But but what they don't, what they all admitted to, they don't to, understand where they fit. But okay. they, what they all admitted to, was yeah. that they they think they will be able to ex- extend the life expectancy for every human. Like for me, it'd be to ninety mm-hmm. um, if I make it that way, that far, right? If, you but um, that they don't have. There's nothing really out there on working on brain health. Yeah. And that's the big problem. Yeah, is that they think they can extend life, but if I mean we have a we have an an issue right now on the dementia and the Alzheimer's and 
It, brain it, health. It, it may have something to do with all this diet stuff we're talking about. I 100% believe yeah. that. Just as I believe that cancers and everything are, are more diet-related than genetic-related. But I'm not a doctor. I'm just saying this is what I've... You know, when they when they start talking about, you know, the telomere you know, length and all that kind of stuff, um, they, they, they just don't understand the world they're getting into. The ge- genetics and biology is so infinitely complex. It, it's infinitely complex. Mm-hmm. That when you push the probability equation one direction, there's an infinite number of consequences mm-hmm. that are unanticipated and difficult to track. And um, I mean, just they, they need to get deeper in if they're going to look at aging, they got to get much deeper in with the, in the cancer world uh, and the genomics there because and and the understanding of the genetics and the proteolic proteomics and stuff because there is where they've discovered when they find a pathway and they do something to it. The cancer responds in a thousand different ways that they're unanticipated. Things that should work don't work all the time, like routinely, like 90% of the time. Right. But every time we do that, we learn something about how the biology operates. It's way more complicated than $150 million, I'm sorry to say. I wish they would focus on helping the system operate that we have. (laughs) Because we could get everybody to 100 just with the proper but, but system. But that's not fun. Like, <laughs> I know. Right? I understand. And, and, and I, would just point at, I would just point at Steve Jobs yeah. and say, that's hubris, gentlemen. Yeah. Do not be hubristic with biology. Don't do it. Don't do it. That's hubris. It's way more complicated to understand. Let's focus on fixing the system. That's my thing. Anyway, really a pleasure to talk to you. I hope we'll keep the conversation going. I'm anxious to hear more. I'm going to send you – maybe I'll send you a, a, a audit. Yeah, do the I'll audit. my wife do it. I'll my wife because she's very interested in the podcasting and all this stuff and wants to build it. And so You'll learn something. Very, I'm sure of it. And she'll probably apply whatever you tell her to do. Yeah. So uh, anything from your – anything else you want people to know about the book or you or – no, I've uh, I, I I really appreciate the opportunity to, to help and and um, and tell the story and hopefully that helps somebody else. Look, rare diseases don't get any money, and so you either disrupt or you'll be disrupted. Yeah, and well, that's there's there's, there's a lot this. to your story, and disease is one component. Right. So I, I just wanted to tell your whole story, and I think people will respond to it. So thank and you. I think it will enhance other people's experience. So thank you so much. I'm grateful, and we'll see you all next time. For calling times and topics, follow the show on Twitter at Dr. Drew Podcast. That's D-R-D-R-E-W Podcast. The music from today's episode can be found on the swinging sounds of the Dr. Drew Podcast, now available on iTunes. And while you're there, don't forget to rate the show. The Dr. Drew Podcast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana and Gary Smith. For more information, go to drdrew.com. All conversation and information exchanged during the participation in the Dr. Drew Podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes. Only. Do not confuse this with treatment or medical advice or direction. Nothing on these podcasts supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your medical caretakers. Although Dr. Drew is a licensed physician with specialty board certifications by the American Board of Internal Medicine and the American Board of Addiction Medicine, he is not functioning as a physician in this environment. The same applies to any professionals who may appear on the podcast or drdrew.com. Mm-hmm.